right. Welcome back to Science in Between. Here we are. Science we in are. between. In between. Yes. I'm Ollie. And you're and you're I'm Scott. Scott. You're Scott. And yeah. uh, this is episode 25. Look at us. 25. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, there you go. go no, I'm go not going to do it. So you're encouraging <laughs> me now. You're encouraging me to say it's a square, you know, not a prime, that's but a, it's a square. That's, that's only half of it. No, it's a perfect square. <laughs> Just <Yeah>. like you. <laughs> uh, see, there it is. That's what I it is. I thought, you know, I was trying to hold back, but you, you were encouraging me. You're baiting me. So there you go. So what are we talking about today, Scott? What what's the concept? I don't here? know, Ali. I don't know. Maybe maybe we're just not talking today because because I'm so I'm so wounded by the you know the being called a square. Right. Was, no, but I call you a perfect square, my friend. Oh, that is an excellent point. Okay, I'm back on then. All right. All right. So I, I don't know. Let's talk about cross cutting concepts. What do you think of that? That's great. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. That, we'll do that then. Let's talk about that. And so, um, the one of the reasons we're talking about this is. Um, I mean, there's a whole lot of reasons why we're talking about this, but I think one of them is that um, we're, we, we, Scott and I are both from our Pennsylvania. <laughs> Scott and I are we're both from Pennsylvania. I'm having a little trouble today, there, my friend. Um, and these are uh, we're in the middle of adopting new science standards for our state, and um, so the national, national, the next generation mm -hmm. science standards are being adopted to some degree, right? And you've been on that. Uh, group that's been reviewing those. Mm -hmm. And yes, uh, so in that process, the cross-cutting concept has been co come up a lot in our conversations with schools and, and so on. And so this is a new concept, or at least it's not, It's it shouldn't be a new concept. I mean, the next generation science standards has been around for like, what, eight years? And so this stuff has been out there. Um, but it seems like it's a, uh, you know, a concept that deserves to be revisited or visited. Yeah. I mean, so, so to put some more context on that. So yeah, the NGSS, I think probably if you're a science nerd, you know about this already. If you're not, then we'll let you know what that means. So the next generation science standards were a set of standards that came out of a framework that was developed, um, a framework in, in K-12 science education. Um, and that was a National Research Council document. And then there was uh, Achieve and, and the a group of states got together and wrote the next generation science standards, which were um, a, an attempt to create a sort of national standard. Now, of course, in America, the way our system works, there's no such thing as an actual enforceable national standard, but um, these were to be guides, sort of like the Common Core was for math and, and English and language arts. And the big thing that, that we're going to talk about today, or one of the pieces of the big thing, is that it tried to define science learning as three-dimensional. And those three dimensions are the disciplinary core ideas, which is what you th sort of think of as the traditional knowledge, right? Like these are the facts, the science as it is settled science. Um, the science and engineering practices. So these are what we would think of as sort of the process learnings that kids need to do. And then there's the cross-cutting concepts, which are these ideas that don't quite fit into the first bin exactly uh, in terms of being straight content, but are things that are tools that can be used across different disciplinary boundaries. So they're, they're not unique to biology, chemistry, physics, or earth and space science. They're, they're sort of ways of doing science, but they're not practices. They're things that you use when you're doing the practices. So cross-cutting concepts have been sort of the weird um, one that people 
are trying to grapple with and figure out exactly what they mean. So we thought it might be a good entry point for us to talk about the next generation science standards in general and talk about these these uh, you know seven ideas that were that were identified that cut across the subdisciplines in science. I was thinking about this a, a good bit, and I was thinking like how we could like come up with a metaphor or something that would you know talk about their role. And I like that three dimensional concept. You know, but I, I wonder if we were to like talk about this in terms of, I don't know, a movie or, or something. Is this a, a character? So like if we were like, say, like Star Wars, right? Would these be like oh characters that would appear across all of the movies, whether we're talking the, the prequels, the original Wait, series? I know. What, what, were the, what, what was that first word you said? The what? Uh, the prequels. The what? The, the, I know you just don't even acknowledge their existence. <laughs> nice, nice. But I mean, would you, they'd be like, I don't know, like the, you know, R2D2 and C3PO who show up across all of the movies, you know, and not necessarily, you know, I mean, they have a role. Um, or are we talking like the tools? Are we talking like a lightsaber? Because there's a lightsaber in every episode, right? Or, you know, trying to think of something metaphorical that could help. Um, it's Star Wars related? Well, it doesn't have to be Star Wars related. I, but I was thinking, or is it like, or is it something more like the motif, right? Like, the you know, John Williams has this, you know, the bump, 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 bump. And that, like, you know, it's in the background of all of the movies, you know, and it's like there to let you know. Is it, th is it like that? Is that what the cross-cutting concepts are like? I, I know this is, have I gone down a rabbit hole? Uh, I, well, dude, I'm, I'm happy to have you go down a rabbit hole. I'm just going to stand up here on, on, and, on safe ground and safe watch ground you as you, not as you go down in. the hole. Yeah. I mean, um, because I think there's a metaphor someplace here that, you know, I don't know if that's it, um, but I'm spitballing here, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, um, I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe that can be the thing that we try and work out here is what we think is the right metaphor for this um, at, over the next, you know, 20, 25 minutes, our, our usual chat time here. But, um, but I think, yeah, I mean, I think it's a good question. It, it it is a struggle, I think, especially because, um, you know, for example, one of the cross-cutting concepts that's identified is energy and matter. And though that energy in particular is also identified in the disciplinary core right. ideas. So there's this question of like, some of them seem to sort of overlap with things that appear in other places. And so this idea of um, what, what role do the cross-cutting concepts play in comparison and and they are controversial in the field like there have been sessions at at um nars which is our research organization um where people have sort of argued about whether cross-cutting concepts make sense as part of the standards or not and and what role they play and and um so i think i think they are interesting um and and potentially powerful but um but i think one of the things that you know, for me that I've, that I think is a struggle with these is um, they are things that already appear in the curriculum. And so like so many things in teaching um, often teachers say, oh yeah, I already do that. Like, right. oh, patterns. That's one of the cross-cutting concepts. Sure. I talk sure, about I talk patterns, about with patterns right. all the time. Everybody and, talks and, about patterns. Right. So I do cross-cutting <laughs> concepts already. And so it, it is a question of like, well, what makes it then a cross-cutting concept? Is it, is it just that it exists in all these different domains or is there something that you as a teacher have to intentionally do to not only draw them out within your domain, but help students understand that this is, this is a concept that appears in other places and in different ways. Right. So I think uh, that's that's the key piece for me. 
right? So it's these, these, these themes that get threaded across all the disciplines, across all the grade levels. And they're, and I, I know you've talked about them as tools, and I think that tools are, are a way of looking at them, but I don't know if it's always the, like, cause I see that more connecting to things like scale, proportion, and quantity. That's a, that's a tool. I see that as a tool. Um, but then when you start to talk about like structure and function and energy and matter, those become almost like those disciplinary type of things, right? Like mo models are absolutely a tool. That's a model. My model is a tool that we use to help explain concepts, help, you know, graphically, you know, display concepts so that kids have a better uh, way of understanding or to help us make sense of, of, of ideas. But I think some of the other ones are, are not necessarily tools per se, right? I don't know. So, and that's yeah, why it's I like mean, looking I, for a metaphor would be a better, a better way. And I, I don't know. I mean, maybe that's just a, you know, a fool's errand, but you know. Well, I, I'm, I'm happy to keep talking metaphor. I mean, I think the other way to think about tool, I mean, the tricky thing about tools and the word tools is it can mean so many things. Right. So it's, it, it doesn't necessarily just by calling it a tool help. I mean, one of the ways that I think we might think about it, though we'll get into esoteric land a little bit here is- <laughs> We uh, do that, we do that. We do that, it's a thing we do, um, is to think of them as epistemic tools, which is to say oh, they, they are not- you. Yeah, thank oh. you. So they're not tools in the sense of like a screwdriver or a hammer, but they're knowledge tools, right? Sure. So in the sense of there are ways to help you think about how you engage in the practices and how you use the disciplinary core ideas to engage in the practices. Um, and and they're, they're ways of <coughs> framing your thinking, right? So, you know, if you're, if you're investigating a problem, thinking about, well, what are the stabilities and changes that are occurring here? Sorry, yeah, so, excuse me. Stabilities and changes that are occurring here. And that's a way to to dig in to to help say, I'm not just investigating this thing. I'm particularly looking at the stabilities and changes that are occurring. And that's a way to investigate a problem. That's a tool, an epistemic right. tool to help you think about it. Yeah, that's a that's an interesting way of framing it. Um and I'll have to, you know, let that spin around a little bit in there. But here, here are the seven in case in case you don't have them in front of you. Hmm. Um, patterns, cause and effect, scale, proportion, and quantity, systems and system models, energy and matter, structure and function, and stability and change. So there's seven um, different cross-cutting concepts. And and I like this idea that this uh, epistemic tool because it does give us a way of looking and a way of, of thinking and a way of understanding. Um, and each one gives us a sort of a different way of looking at the, the more traditional concepts, the disciplinary concepts, the disciplinary ideas, um, and gives us a way of looking at that. And these are those sort of ways that, uh, that go across all those disciplines, right? So, I mean, patterns show up in all of, whether you're a biology teacher, a physics teacher, or a chemistry teacher, or a science teacher, what it got, regardless of the type of science you're teaching, patterns show up someplace. And, you know, cause and effect show up someplace. And and so I guess the, the thing that we have to consider as, as teachers is how do we teach these in a way that show, make them appears not just a, as something that, you know, oh, here's a pattern, right? But that these are things that 
go across all disciplines, that these are characters or themes or motifs or whatever they are across yeah. all of our disciplines, across the grade levels, and that we teach them at, uh, at an appropriate level so that kids at all grade levels, at all disciplines get something out of it. And they see these things as being, you know, appearing across all of the, the content. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think that requires, um, you know, back to something I was talking about a minute ago, it, it requires that teachers be aware of these cross-cutting concepts and specifically call them out. And I think what, what they're trying to do by identifying these cross-cutting concepts and using language to identify them, right, is creating a context for teachers to be able to connect across. So they can say, like, I, I can anticipate that elementary school teachers are going to talk about cause and effect because they're a cross-cutting concept. And I can try and draw on that in middle school when I'm teaching science and talk about cause and effect explicitly instead of just, you know, and cause and effect is a, a big one in science, but it's amazing how infrequently those words actually get used in a science right. classroom, right? Where we actually talk about like, well, what does it mean for something to be the cause of something else and something to be the effect of something else? Like we just sort of talk about it as if this is natural, right? And, and you know, I mean, I don't want to go back to, to Brian Brown again, but we did it's just okay. finish talking about him and, sure. you know, friend of the, friend of the show, Brian friend Brown. Of the show. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, in addition to learning a new language, like that's that, that, you know, cause and effect is a, is a way of thinking about the world. It is, you know, going back to this idea of an epistemic tool, it is a way of knowing and a way of thinking and it isn't natural, right? Like I, I don't remember who there's a famous scientist and I'll, I'll have to look it up and put it in the show notes who said like science thinking scientifically is not a natural mode of thought. Right. It is a trained mode of thought. It is a disciplined mode of thought. It is, it requires practice. Like you have to learn how to do it. It's not something that humans naturally do. Now that doesn't mean that we don't have a cause and effect thing um, because we do, right? That is a natural part of the way that our brains operate, but transforming that sort of natural um, understanding that one thing could cause another into a really robust um, tool, I keep coming back to it, that can, that can be used uh, in scientific practice is different. And, um, you know, as we're doing some other work together around these cross-cutting concepts and, and this idea that there are many kinds, for example, of cause and effect, like that's a really interesting idea too, that like, you know, we think of cause and effect in simplistic terms, but from a scientific point of view, there's lots of different kinds of cause and right. effect. And so you can draw that nuance out too. So, um, yeah. And I think that the, the other thing with that is that the way that these cross-cutting concepts show up in our content areas is, is similar, but also different, right? Like, cause I, I think about like, you know, when I was in my upper level physics classes, like I worked with professors who just were like, they, they didn't deal with numbers at all. They all only worked with orders of magnitude, right? They were just like, okay, you know, okay. So we're off by order of magnitude. Let's, let's work with that, you know? And it's yeah. like, they didn't care about the numbers at all. They only cared about like the powers of 10, right? And, and it was interesting because I'm like, how did we get here? Because, well, we we're dealing with either things that were really small or things that were really big. And so like, you know, 
the numbers itself didn't really matter when you're talking about things that are huge or things that are really small, right? The, and, but that's a very different way of approaching scale than maybe another discipline would, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think how these cross-cutting themes, although they show up across all the disciplines, how they are actually enacted or used or applied within the, a discipline is a little is subtly different. It's almost like, you know, when I, um, I, I work a lot with, uh, with gen ed at, our, at my institution. So these are general education. Um, and every institution, especially liberal arts ones, have some sort of general, general ed expectations so that you take like a history class or you take a, mm -hmm. you know, earth science or physical science or something. And the, the idea is that you get multiple ways of seeing the world, right? So that if you, you know, because seeing the world from a historical perspective is very different than looking at it from a scientific perspective, which is very different than looking at it from a mathematical perspective. And so to, to have a student come out and have a, a, you know, a strong liberal arts background, the idea is if you give them these general ed education expectations and they go and they have a more complete way of looking at the world. And, mm -hmm. and I think that, you know, by intentionally talking about these cross-cutting concepts and then like kind of saying, okay, well, here's how physicists, you know, approach scale, proportion, and quantity, or here's how biologists talk about it, but like, like kind of tipping our hat at it as we, you know, get into those, I think can more completely show how these cross-cutting concepts appear across the disciplines, but also, you know, how it's different in those disciplines too. Yeah. I don't know yeah, if I'm I like mean, just, it, just talking out my, you know, yeah, yeah. whatever. That's what we're, that's what we're here for. Um, you know, it, it makes me think too about like what, you know, is it something, are these, is the, even the idea of cross-cutting concepts to some degree unique to science in the sense that um, science is, well, let's just talk about science in terms of how it is done in K-12 schools, right? So science in, is weirdly um, subdivided in a way that no other disciplinary area, at least in K-12, is, right? So the idea that chemistry, biology, physics, earth and space science are separate, right? right? They all fall under the umbrella of science, but they have entirely different certifications in terms of the the main core of courses that you take. Um and, you know, they, they have different class names um, yeah. and math has some of that to some degree. There's like algebra and geometry and calculus. So they're subdivided, but you can't get certified in calculus. Calculus, right. You just get math, right? You get math certification. Same, same thing and, with English and same thing right. with, you know, social studies. Art, music, social right. studies, like all these areas that, so this idea that there would even be cross-cutting concepts, I don't know if that is a thing or not. Um, so I think that's interesting too, in terms of, um, you know, are we, cause science is both, you know, there, the, it's a tension in science as a large field that, um, there are these sort of arbitrary boundaries that have been established over time between sub-disciplines. And then there have been attempts, you know, biochemistry and biophysics and, and geophysics and geochemistry, like there's all these then attempts, not attempts, that makes it sound more intentional than it really is, but but there's this re-blending. So we've separated everything into these buckets, and now there we recognize that the problems we're investigating actually don't fit into those buckets very neatly. And so now we start working across these, you know, and it becomes interdisciplinary work. And that also, you know, it's just really interesting to me that I don't see other fields 
doing that, but maybe that's because I'm not in other fields and I don't recognize it, right? Like I know there's differences between say mathematicians who are sort of algebraically oriented to the world versus geometrically. Like there are people who are more geometers and they're algebraist, or I don't know if that's the right way to describe it, <laughs> but they're, you know, there are math people. There are these subdivisions within math. Um, and I'm sure there are in other disciplines too. I just don't know exactly what those but but they don't seem as siloed as the ones in science. So so this idea that we have to have cross-cutting concepts, that this is important to, to identify the things that tie all these things together, that it isn't just the practice of science. And then there's a lot of nuance to that too. Like earth scientists don't do investigations the way that chemists do and biologists don't do it the way that physicists do. So it's, yeah, it's interesting to me to think about like this subdivision that happens within science that seems um, unique to it as a, as a broad discipline. But I also wonder whether these cross-cutting concepts that they're, they are, they appear in science, but they're not limited to science. Like patterns are something that goes across, you know, not just science, but other things as well, math, you know, and, and cause and effect. So uh, like that's a social thing, right? So cause and effect can, be a, an historical thing too. And so I wonder whether, you know, in, in an earlier part of my life, I, when I was first started teaching, I was working with a, a principal who was really into the coalition of essential schools. And this is like going way back, right? So yeah. if you're not familiar with the coalition of essential schools, this is, you know, like, I don't know, early nineties, this is like Madeline Hunter around the same time as that. But the, the idea with uh, schools that, you know, were, you know, adopting coalition of essential schools models was that they didn't have discrete disciplines. They taught things more thematically, right? So you didn't have social studies or math or science. It just was like, okay, we're going to talk about like, you know, I don't know, like um, I'm, I'm going to say dinosaurs, but that's just not a, it's, you know, but you're going to talk about something that's a broader concept and then use that as a, uh, as a way to drive all of the disciplines, right? So you would talk math related to that theme. You would talk about science related to that theme. And I wonder whether these cross-cutting concepts could actually be something if you were looking at some more thematic instruction would be a great way to frame that, right? If you were saying, you know what, I want to teach a theme around you know, cause and effect, that could be something that could appear in, in English, in, in science, in history, in math. It could go across all of the disciplines where we, instead of keeping these things siloed, and I know that's really revolutionary. That's like really like out there and not a lot of schools are doing that, but this, I think these would pre present a really good way of looking at it, you know? Yeah, I think that's interesting. I mean, um, yeah, right. I mean, these things are not... Uh, some of them anyway, are not unique to science. Right. Um, so, and how they play out in different disciplines is interesting, right? And, and it is something that um, we don't do enough of helping kids understand, like, you know, one of the things that that brings to mind is this idea um, is, you know, in science, we have claims, evidence, reasoning, um, or some variation on that. And, and in language arts, there's a uh, claims evidence warrant. I think that's the right way. Um, but, uh, but there are patterns to discourse too, and to, yep. um, to making arguments, but there, but those patterns both hold up. And as you're saying, they both hold up and are different across these areas. So, and this goes back to this idea of epistemic 
um, differences, right? Like that part of what defines discipline is its epistemology. That is what, what determines what is, what it means to know something, how you know something, how we validate knowledge claims, how we say, yeah, that is something that we know in science. Well, how do we know that? Well, we have rules about what counts as evidence, right? Like I don't get to say, Hey, I saw this thing the other day and that counts as evidence. Like we have a different set of, of evidentiary, you know, criteria for things. Um, so, but, but talking with kids about that, you know, again, to bring it sort of full circle to some of the issues that we're having today, where, where we, we talked about this in some of our earlier episodes, as we were watching sort of COVID-19 unfold and it, the science around that happening in public, well, understanding the, the, the epistemic underpinnings of a discipline help kids understand the differences between how you make claims in science right. versus other areas and, and that those things are different, right? Like it's okay for you to use different kinds of evidence in different contexts, as long as you understand that. And it's also not okay for you to use evidence from one domain in another domain, another domain. Right. expected to be okay. Yeah. And that's, that's whenever you cross those, you know, disciplinary and, epistemic, you know, boundaries and you move from one and you're saying, okay, well, this is how we make sense in, you know, a faith-based, you know, context. And we're going to bring that over to a science-based context, you know, those from an epistemological standpoint are so different. And yet people cross that boundary and carry those, you know, ways of thinking and ways of knowing so quickly and so easily without, and that's where the trouble starts. And that's where the trouble starts. Um, and, but I think giving them multiple ways of looking at the world, multiple ways of um, understanding the world, I think is the, the best way. And I think that you know, the cross-cutting concepts offer a way of doing that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so you say these things are pretty controversial. Um, I haven't attended NARST in, in a bunch of years. Um, what's, what's the conversation around them? Like, why, well, why is yeah, I mean, it's not so much that they're controversial in and of themselves. Like, I don't think there's anybody going in our saying, no, kids should not learn about structure and function or stability and change or patterns or whatever. Um, I think part of the question is um, naming these things and including them as a separate strand, right, as the third dimension has been the big debate, right? So everybody sort of agrees. Yeah, of course, there's canonical knowledge that you need to know. So that's the disciplinary core ideas. We're going to characterize them and they're there, right? The science and engineering practices, like everybody's on board with that. I think, you know, there's fights about that versus the nature of science and what the difference is and blah, blah, blah. So there's fights about everything probably, but, but there's fights about that. Um, but everybody agrees there has to be some sort of process part of science, right? That you ha- we have to think about how is science done as a, as a as a field of study. But but these cross cutting concepts, I think the debate is more about like okay, we've added this new layer of complexity to the standards. What value does it bring, and and how do we interpret it and make meaning of it in a way that helps science instruction get better and and more powerful and more meaningful? I think. Um, I'm not saying controversial in the, in a sense of like, I don't know, like evolution versus, uh, intelligent design, sort of controversial, more the sort of controversial that academics have, which is like, why is this here? Why is it important? And how do we interpret it? Right. Yeah. The the academic, uh, fights are, are always amusing. Like, uh, Uh, I was in a uh, a committee meeting once where we spent an hour arguing what what competency meant. Like, what was what right. 
operationalizing the word competency. Operationalizing. I, yes. yes. That's that. Talk about esoteric. That was, yeah. yes. Yeah. And I, that's probably where some of this conversation goes, right? Is yeah. not necessarily operationalizing it, but talking about the utility of it, talking about, and also maybe what gets put in the box and, and how it gets framed, right? Like, are the, why seven? Are there eight or are there six? Or, you know, are there things that should be in that, you know, the cross-cutting concept box and isn't? And yeah. And yeah. Right. And if we're, and if we're going to require, you know, to the degree that these standards require anything, but if we're going to require teachers to take these into consideration, then how do we help them think about what that actually means? Like what, what are they supposed to do in class to teach cross-cutting concepts? And so I think that's where a lot of the debate is, is, um, but there's also, as you say, there's always the, like, why this group of seven, right? Like what's magic about this group of seven? Should there be eight? Are these framed in the right way? Are they, are they all the same kind of thing? Like there's all sorts of things that academics can fight about when it comes to, um, ideas, right? So what's in the bucket and what's not in the bucket is always, um, a point of contention and frustration. Um, but I think with cross-cutting concepts, it's, because it's new, like this is not a thing that existed in prior iterations of, of you know, either AAAS benchmarks or the National Science Education Standards, the documents that predated right. the next generation of science standards. Neither of those really had anything to do with cross-cutting concepts. Well, they were at, there, at, but they weren't like, they, they weren't like. But that's the point, right? Right. If, if yeah. they're not called out, of right. course they're there. But the point of this is they were calling them out specifically. And, and that's the not the controversial bit, but that's the bit that made for a controversy is like, okay, if we're going to actually call them out, then we need to know what they mean and how they're different. How are they different from practices and disciplinary core ideas? And then of course, NGSS combines all these into these performance expectations, which mean every they, every sort of statement you make about what kids are supposed to learn has to include all three of the dimensions. Like that's what three-dimensional learning means. It can't just be a content thing and it can't just now be a content thing and a, and a practice thing same. combined. It it's got to be all three, three of them. And so that, so people have beef with that too, right? So is, is there a lot of research going on around how to best teach these things or how the best learn these things, or maybe even, you know, what are some of the challenges with learning these? And I guess maybe that's something we'll be revisiting as we talk about these over the next few weeks. Well, our, our idea with this is, this is our introductory episode about cross-cutting concepts. And we're gonna spend a few episodes, I don't know, maybe at most seven, right? <laughs> or at least like two or three, who knows, yeah. talking about these and maybe unpacking some of the, the research around it or talking about some of the things we've learned as we go along with them. Um, and, and I think, you know, maybe giving our own points of view or thinking about how, if you're a science teacher, and maybe if you're not a science teacher, how you could think about these in productive ways to help your kids learn content that is not just, you know, giving kids a tool set, right? Like if we do yeah. think of this as a tool set, um, you know, that, that patterns are something that, okay, I've got a problem I'm trying to understand how would I look at this in terms of patterns or in terms of cause and effect or any of these other things, right? And how, as a teacher, can you start to help give kids that, that tool set, right? Like, 
Um, you know, again, I don't know what these would look like in, in other areas, you know, in art, do you say like, okay, composition is one of these things, right? It's not a, it's not a practice and it's not exactly a, a, a content thing that you learn, but composition is something that you take, you know, like you, you use that as a tool. So when you're analyzing something, you say, oh, well, I can consider it's composition. What does that mean? Well, it may mean something very different if you're looking at art versus, versus sculpture versus, you know, installation art or whatever, but you can always say composition is a way to, to analyze what's happening here and try and understand it. Um, so yeah, I think, I think they're, they're interesting. And, and like you say, we'll, we'll think about, um, how you might do stuff, uh, like this from a practical point of view, why these might right. be useful and powerful. And, and I think one of the things that might be worthwhile for us is to as we talk about these, since the, you know, the concept of the show is this in between and maybe talking about how cross-cutting concepts, you know, can be applied, examined, you know, integrated in this, you know, world that we're in right now. And I think there, I mean, it's, it's critical. These, these concepts are critical, at, especially in like, I, and I said this in an earlier episode, this is like more than any time before, I mean, maybe that's an exaggeration. What is an exaggeration? But this this is showing us the need for really good science, right? Having students and our citizenry to have a really strong basis in science. And I think that, you know, these cross-cutting concepts are, you know, are apparent in the things we're doing right now, the things we're living through right now. Mm. Um, and we could talk about each one of these and say, okay, there's there's some of this that's apparent right now, like cause and effect. We could talk about that from climate change. We could talk about that from a pandemic. We could talk about scale, proportion, and quantity, absolutely from you know size of aerosols and 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 so on. And, and talk about systems and system models from you know rooms, because there's lots of like you know tools right now for examining you know, room size and the number of people in room and airflow and all those, so those creating a model. So all of these things are, you know, really powerful tools that apply to, they're not like in the abstract, they're powerful tools for us today in the things we're, we're working and living through. And mm -hmm. I think that that's, um, yeah. So I think that's something that we should, I don't know, at least spend a little bit of time as we, we talk about these, talking about how they apply to, you know, how we teach right now, how we live right now, and how we work right now. Yeah. yeah. No, I think that's good. Yeah. Yeah. All right. yeah. There you go. Yeah. Wrapped up. But, yeah, there you are. Nice little bow on it. Yeah. So, uh, you know, cross-cutting concepts. That was uh, the topic for the next few weeks. And, you know, you you have a a, a joy that you'd like to, to share with us? Sure, Ollie. I have a joy I'd like to share that's with us. That's awesome. Yeah. Thanks. Um, so... So I have the privilege of having a sister who owns a toy store. Um, oh, and nice. as a result, I occasionally get uh, gifts from her or her progeny or husband or what, you know, fam their family unit that, uh, that I get to enjoy. Uh, and they happen to be, uh, a, my, my sister happens to be a toy store uh, owner that carries Lego uh, so, uh, for Christmas, my nephew, we do like a family draw thing and my, my nephew had me and he gave me a 1,771 piece Lego set, which is, uh, of Yoda. 
So I have wow. been uh, building a Yoda out of Lego. Um, and, uh, you know, that, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's one of those things, right? Like there are certain things that I really enjoy, uh, because they are concrete, like our jobs are not very concrete, right? A lot of the stuff that we do is very open-ended. It doesn't, it doesn't have neat boundaries. It doesn't have clean, like accomplishments that are easy to see, or that are uh, certainly not short-term. And so I love things many of the things that bring me joy are the exact opposite of that. So I like to cook because you cook a meal and the meal is done. You get to eat it, you get to enjoy it. And and Lego building is similar for me. So I've really been enjoying this just sort of like I sit, I don't have to do anything except like put, click these little pieces together. I'm following directions. It's broken, you know, like into little bags of stuff. I do one bag's right. worth of stuff and then I'm done for a while and I can walk away. So, uh, so, so that's been bringing me joy is little Lego building. That's great. We're, we're big Lego fans here in our house too. We have, uh, you know, completed ones that sit on shelves. Like we have a, As you, do. you know, yeah, we have an Apollo, you know, mm-hmm. rocket yeah. that yeah, yeah. ends up, that ends up put together. Um, yeah. So it sits in his room. So the, uh, for me, my, my joy, as I, I've mentioned in other episodes, we're big game players at the house. And I've also, and it's so like crosses two joys. Um, and I've, I think early on, I was saying how like we, um, we found Bob's Burgers during the mm-hmm. pandemic. And, and if you haven't watched Bob's Burgers, go check it out. It is uh, a great TV show, um, cross ages, and it's a feel good show. But we got the Bob's Burgers Clue for Christmas. And so we've been playing Bob's Burgers Clue. So we're, we like Clue at the house. And so, and, and the Bob's Burgers Clue isn't like substantially different, but the, uh, I guess it's just neat to have the characters, you know? So you have, you know, um, rather than the candlestick, you have a spatula rather than, you know, so it's taken, you have to kind of be in the ecosystem of the, the show to get the, the jokes, you know, like, like why porcelain is there or, you know, why, you know, the specific things they've used, but you could still play clue without necessarily being a Bob's burgers fan. Um, So Bob's burgers clue is, and it's, it, it exists. It's awesome. And, you know, you should check it out. If you're a Bob's burgers fan, if you're not um, go watch yourself some Bob's burgers because you will become a fan. And then you can, then you can play the clue and you can play the clue. Yeah. The Bob's burgers clue. So there you go. Very nice. Okay. So there it is. Episode entertained with. 25. Look at that. Episode 25, the perfect square. It's not and our first perfect square, but it's the first one that I think we've called out specifically. Right. It is. And we have to go a ways before we get to another one. So yes. Do you want to do the no. math for folks? They, they know. You want to leave know. it out there? They no, know. they know. They know. They know. Yeah. If, they're listening, if they've made it this far in the show, they know. Because they're <laughs> if they there are people gouged their eyes out or their <laughs> ear holes out at this point, then yeah. they know. They know. All right. Well, well always fun, my friend. It is yeah, great to talk pleasure. to you. And uh we'll see you all next time in between. In between. Yeah.